You're listening to the podcast of Always Forward, the church planting initiative of the Anglican Church in North America, helping plant gospel-centered, sacramental, missional churches. For more information and resources, please visit always-forward.com. Hey, church planters. Ken and Dan back with you again with another episode of the Always Forward podcast. And today I have great news for you. We have um, a blast from the past, a, uh, a brother from another mother, a, a, one of the OGs of the, of the Always Forward podcast, my very good friend and yours, Sean McCain. Yeah. From... <laughs> Insert a hold for applause. Hold for yeah. applause. Yeah. I think I have little buttons on this new software we use that can actually you need, like, applause. That horn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you got if you're a new listener to the Always Forward podcast for a couple of years, Sean and I did this podcast together um and uh had a blast doing that and just just uh busyness and commitments Homies. and those sort of things doesn't allow us to do it together every time uh, anymore but we want to have sean back as often as we can um for because because we love him and his thoughts and uh and and want him to be around so 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 sean sean is back how are you my friend look i know that we did this podcast and we had like p- some people listen but really yep. it was an excuse to schedule just like hey let's hang out bro let's yeah. talk about stuff that's true we don't, so we don't, I'm, i really miss that actually we, we don't tell other people that sean Sorry, that was a, well, that's what it was, was really a, about. That's ah, well, what it was really. That was a weird moment there, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> oh man, it's uh, it's good to be back in the same uh, digital yeah. space as you as you and um uh and good to be talking about the things that we love to talk about. And today, as always, we're going to be talking about church planting, but in from the in within the overall sphere of church planning, we're actually going to have a conversation that um, about a topic that we have discussed in various ways in the past, but we thought it'd be great to revisit. And that is missional liturgy. The idea of liturgy is liturgy missional, or is it not? And we did this. We have an, another podcast episode by the same title from a couple of years ago, but both Sean and I have grown in various ways since then as well. And the conversation has, uh, has uh, morphed and changed and there's new resources out there and those sort of things as well. So we want to revisit this today as it is one that, uh, that comes up a lot in our church planter training and discussions and such as well. So, uh, so Sean is liturgy missional or is it not? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Thanks for listening no, everybody. Thank we you. had a great, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a great, great question. Great, thanks, great episode. Next question, please. <laughs> let's go well, to caller number two. No, okay. Um, so let's break it down. Yeah. What, what is missional? What does the word mean? Yeah, I think it's, so it's, it is a, um, I think even since we've talked about this, Dan, not only have we been through a pandemic, which mm. has, I think challenged everyone's liturgical theology, missional theology past, like, it's challenged us in every single way. So I'm kind of curious how this will go on the other side of, of that, those two years um, or, and going right. All of the political upheaval, there's been a lot that's happened right in the last few years. And I think everyone sort of changed. Plus also, Dan, uh, I think the last time we had this conversation, you and I were um, not done with our schoolwork. Right. Right. And so that should mean something, right? Right. You think (laughs) we've learned some things. Um, so yeah, I hope this is a a little bit, we're moving the ball down, uh, the field a little bit. I think that's a football reference. I think so. Yeah, it will. Yeah. A couple of different sports. I think it could apply to. Yeah. I mean, since then I've actually written a book called word and sacrament that's coming out next year uh, as well. May May of next year, sort of, uh, a little plug there for the book that we'll talk more about in the future. But, um, but yes, so that's added even more thought, um, and spent a lot of time writing on these kind of subjects. So the Let's question before it. us is yeah. what, what is missional? Let's take that word first and then we'll take the word liturgy and then we'll see how those two things come together. So what in your mind, heart experience is the word, uh, does the word missional mean? Yeah, I think it means, um, the father's sending of the son and his sending of the spirit upon the church to participate in the mission of God. Anything that is caught up in the participation of the triune God the mission of God is what I would say is missional. That's a, so there's a definition, but that's still a Mm -hmm. fairly broad space, especially like if you're practitioners like us, uh, or you're working in a church or you're working in a a food pantry, you're working in um, an after school program or some ministry or, or you live in a neighborhood. Um, this still hits the ground 
um, in real practical ways. There's practical meaning here. Mm -hmm. And I would say for me on a sort of everyday basis, um, something that is missional is something that um, I might not even be aware of actually, but that first of all, God is the primary agent of, and I may discern, I may have these sort of moments of discerning and awareness to recognize, I think God is present and at work here. Lord, how can I participate? How can I, what's my part here? What is it that I can join in on that you're already doing? And that can just look like a lot of things. It can look like uh, listening to someone, being present with someone um, who's sick or um, providing a meal, opening your home, welcoming people. It can look like lots of really mundane things. It can also look like, and this brings us to our conversation today, um, participating in the liturgy of the church. I think it's actually profoundly missional. Um, in fact, one of the most missional things we can participate in, I think, is the liturgy. Um, and we can get to that in a second, but I think it's to, to, to back up and touch that definition again, a participation in the mission of the triune God. And what is the mission of the triune God? Wow. Okay. We're getting to it. Um, it is Jesus. Can I say like, here's what I mean by that. And I'm, I'm standing this, these aren't like new ideas that Sean McCain has like cooked up in the last couple of years. I'm standing on some serious, uh, theological giants here. Um, but it is, like I said, the father sending the son, it is God reconciling the world to himself through the person of Christ. And that work, that, that, uh, reconciliation, that forgiveness of sins, the making of all things new, right. Um, mm -hmm. it is accomplished in the life of Christ and is extended. That work is extended in the life of the church by the power of the Holy spirit. Mm -hmm. So it is, uh, everything that is in cooperation with aligned with where God is taking history in the new heavens and the new earth and all people, all nations, um, worshiping him reconciled with God, um, brought into the fold, right. Mm -hmm. Um, that saving rescuing work of God through Christ empowered by the Holy, uh, by the Holy spirit in involving the church. That is the mission of God. We see that image, not only in Genesis, but also in, in revelation, right? We see where this is heading. And, and so Again, that's like kind of 50,000 foot sort of theological, um, but by the way, that's real history that's happening and that is going to happen. But it, but then it, it also hits the ground really practically in these, in these small, really um, mundane acts of, um, that look like Jesus, that, that sound like Jesus, uh, that cooperate with a God who's present in other people's lives and our awareness like, uh, and willingness to, to participate, to jump in. So it, I know it sounds kind of um, like cosmic to really mundane, but um, in some ways, making a meal and welcoming people into your home in love and in mercy and in kindness is a participation in where God is taking everything through his son and by the power of a spirit at the end of the yeah. age. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 And so, I, I mean, I think that the way that you're, the, that you're approaching this, and I agree with you as well, is... I mean, it's a more sacramental understanding of the idea of mission, that mission is not just simply um, how do we get sinners to repent? Um, hmm. Don't misunderstand me. That's a huge part of this, right? Like right. Um, God's making all things new is, uh, is, I mean, when we see preaching in the New Testament as well, I mean, we see, we see a call for um, in light of God's glory and grace of coming to a place of repentance, belief, sacramental participation in that salvation through baptism and sharing in that in the Eucharist. And, um, and so we see that, re that repentance and belief, but it's not so it's, it's not so distilled down as simply conversion. Like there's, there's right. more to right. it than that, or, or simply a, um, it, it does this move people to the, to the place of, uh, of, of their, repentance in that exact moment does the liturgy do that in that exact moment or is it um is it uh an aspect of anything that we're participating in that is revealing god and his goodness and that god and his mission of the world is the one who actually calls people to repentance and belief um by his spirit um and there, there's more than than just like a four spiritual laws or right, or, right. um uh, you you're broadening an understanding of the work of mission beyond simply just 
working for this, this moment's conversion. Right. Like, and you know what I see this in scripture, if people are like, well, show me Mark one 14, Jesus, you know, bursts onto the scene and his, uh, especially the, the gospel writer's way of narrating this is he came proclaiming the gospel. What is the gospel that we find Jesus proclaiming the kingdom of, of God is the time has come. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. And so you see in this one little phrase, um, the, the first sort of recorded words of Jesus's ministry is that everything that God has been doing from pre-creation intentionality to, um, uh, to, to create it through, through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the, the prophets, the judges, Kings, everything pointing forward, the law and the prophets, right. Pointing forward to the one who would fulfill, who would come in the flesh to fulfill those things. We now see in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. And he's saying, all of that was preliminary to me. Now the time has come. And what do we find him saying? The kingdom of God is at hand. The reign and rule of God is breaking in. And it is establishing a realm of where what God wants done gets done as Dallas Willard says, right? Um, this is, this is what's happening. It's kind of a headline. It's, it could be a tweet these days. That's on our 144 characters, right? I think it is. Maybe not. <laughs> sure. Might be pushing it, Yeah. but you can anyways, but there's this announcement of the kingdom of God and everything that that includes um, you see in Luke four, Jesus describing um, what that kingdom um, looks like in him that there are, there is a release to captives, freedom for the oppressed, right? There's sight to the blind healing. There's like, there's this real sort of rescue that God is doing to all of creation and all of humanity, which includes the like repentance and the forgiveness of sins, which is that last part of Jesus's statement. Now repent and believe, rethink everything you've thought, uh, make an about face. It's time to rethink everything according to the kingdom of God that is now at hand. And so if this is, if this is the gospel, if this is sort of what God is announcing is underway, then the mission of God, I think is his carrying that out through the person yeah. of Jesus. And yeah. to your point, Dan, this includes repentance. Um, but it is, it is also um, profoundly bigger than just a plan of personal salvation. It is cosmic. Um, and personal at the same time, John, you know, a, um, a real helpful book here, just to name it, Scott McKnight's King Jesus gospel does really good work, um, with biblical texts here on distinguishing what is the gospel and what is a plan of salvation. Sometimes it can be, um, unhelpful. It can be confusing if we conflate those two things, they're certainly involved with one another, like you're saying, they're certainly critical, but, um, but the gospel we find to be, um, uh, it requiring more um, like clear clarity, nuance than just a sheer four spiritual laws, Roman road, sort of repent right. of your sins and be saved. God's up to something bigger, believe it or not, than just your forgiveness of sins. That's he's raising the dead. Right. <laughs> you know, he's and, making and, a new heavens and a new earth as well. And we're, and we're not saying that, that personal conversion is not important. It's, it's, it's just, it's making even more, uh, it's, right. it's in one hand putting more emphasis on that in the sense of that personal conversion is now personal participation in something that's greater than you. Uh, it's yeah. not just you convert so you can have your Bible and your Jesus in your heaven in your salvation in your. But it's a it's a it's a coming into the kingdom. It's and it's grafting into the vine. It's adoption into the children of God. It's it's leaving that just yeah. personal place and then entering into something much bigger than just yourself. The kingdom totally. Totally. Yeah. And I think, well, yeah. I mean, I, 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 the, the verse, the passage that I come back to oftentimes, um, when, when we're talking about things like this, um, is, uh, is Mark chapter two is what on some Mark chapter two is when, when Jesus was preaching, they couldn't get their paralytic friend to Jesus. So they went through the roof, um, and lowered him down through the roof and, uh, and Jesus sees the faith of his friends, then looks at him and says, your sins are forgiven. And then there's grumbling and stuff. Um, and, uh, and mm -hmm. people say, who are you that you used to, for you to be able to say you can forgive sins and long and short of it, he says, um, so, you know, that my words are true when I'm saying your, your sins are forgiven. I'll tell him 
get up, take your mat and go home. And so he's saying he, to me, this is just a quintessential mm-hmm. passage of word and sacrament, right. Of, of being able to mm-hmm. say the, the physical things prove that the word is true. This, the, the mm-hmm. sacramental act of, of the physical healing is showing that, that the, the gospel of the forgiveness of sins is true. And so when we're talking missional, then we're talking about missional actions in serving other people and serving at soup kitchens. And even, even there's aspects. And I know some people from some persuasions would roll their, their eyes and some of this stuff, but, but I mean, even like a participation in art and those sort of things as well is, can be missional in the sense of how our physical expression of how the gospel affects us, how our relationship with Jesus affects us, how our life in the church affects us and the things that we create out of that hopefully are, are signs and wonders in many ways Mm -hmm. that, uh, that people see and go, if this is what comes out of the people of God, then the words that he's saying of, of, uh, your sins are forgiven are actually true as well. That, so those things lead to then a personal conversion, which is an entrance into the, the kingdom. Right. And I, I hear you saying, Dan, that um, there's sort of a, <clears throat> we present a false choice here of like, well, is it a personal salvation or is it a social issue that God is concerned about? You know, where mm-hmm. like a, mm-hmm. is there something bigger here? The, we don't have to decide between um, our personal relationship with Jesus, our discipleship with the Messiah and his mission in the world to be his disciple is to get caught up in his mission. And so, so sort of presenting this, is this personal or is this social or is this communal? It's both like, yes, yes. You're right. So yeah. there's a, and you see this, we could go on all day, right. Of, of examples in scripture about uh, that, where we see that, but those missional actions, um, even art. Um, I know you, you said people might roll their eyes about certain types of things that we might say could be missional, but any unveiling, any revelation that God is present and at work and that through his son, he's making everything new. He's reconciling the world to himself. Anything that participates in that movement, that motion, I think could be considered missional. Yeah. Um, ag- like it's an adjective of something that God is up to. Right. So art for sure, of course, art can be, and music can be right. missional or missionary or caught up participating somehow in the mission of God. Yeah. Um, the, the possibilities are really endless. And I, here's, what's important to me is that people who are listening, who are, maybe it's, um, a mother, uh, who's like, I don't know, works for like a home loan, um, industry or, uh, a, a dad who's a chef or, um, a, a somebody who's at home with kids or, uh, they think how, I don't know how I can create space in my life to be missional. Um, I, I hope that you hear wherever, wherever God's providence has placed you right now, wherever you're listening to this, uh, God is present and at work. And the, the, the difference between, um, not participating in the mission of God and participating in the mission of God is sometimes just, Lord, what are you doing here? Hmm. Could you show me, could you unveil, could you reveal how you are present and at work in me and are in those around me closely connected to me could be anywhere. Right. Um, and you will, you will find the spirit of God doing unexpected, creative, powerful things, even mundane things in and through you and around right. you. God's at work everywhere. And, you, and uh, yeah. we, we create these boxes like, well, only the priest preaching the gospel, you know, in a certain or evangelizing under the bridge or something, you know, like only those are missional. No, they're yes, they are uh, missional things but they are not the only things and we need the whole church and all of its members to have an imagination for their unique and critical role in the body and participating in this mission. Right. Well, in, and of course where, where, what we're saying can go bad. Okay. There, there's a way that this can go bad is when people then go, Oh, well, I'm just going to sit in my, my beautiful church and just be there on a Sunday morning and just, worship right. in the way that I want to worship and go home. Uh, and so what these guys are saying is that that's missional in its own right. And so I, I don't really have to talk to anybody about Jesus ever. And that's not what we're saying at all. Like, like if you really are experiencing Jesus, Jesus was, was engaging people with the gospel all the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and when the scripture promises that we are going to be uh, persecuted for our faith, hauled in front of uh, judges and magistrates and those sort of things, 
they're not doing that just because we're we like to sit in a certain place on a Sunday, but because because our actions and our words are boldly proclaiming the gospel. So 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 a sacramental mindset or a missional lens that's steeped in sacramental theology in the way that we're talking about it is not an excuse to not do mission because kind of saying every if we say everything is missional then nothing is missional then like then i don't have to participate in it i mean that's where this can go badly or, or here's another example so mm-hmm. i talked to a um in one of my former church plants so not in the town that i'm in right now um i met with a catholic priest there just trying ecumenical relationships right we we're just having coffee and um and so i asked him i said you know as a catholic priest tell me how how do you feel like you're, how are you engaging the community in such as well? How are you, how are you engaging the world? And he said, uh, I celebrate the mass. And I said, okay, that's great. Like, I, I, you know, to throw the cards on the table, I think, yes, there's a, there's a missional aspect of that for sure. Um, and, um, and I said, well, okay, that's great. Is there, are there other aspects of that? And he goes, nope, my job as a priest is all I do. That's what I do is I mm. celebrate the mass uh, and I do it multiple times a week and, the presence of the mass in the community. That's it. I I think that although, yes, there's a missional aspect of just the celebration of the sacraments and the, in the, and the participation in the liturgy. Yes. But that's an unfulfilled, okay. There's more Mm. to it than that, that that's supposed to, our liturgy itself is supposed to move us out into the world and and engage in the world as well. So there's uh, Mm -hmm. there for anybody who's listening to this going like, these guys are going to let people off the hook for the work of mission. No, no, no. We're raising the bar, I think, is what we're trying to do, um, to be able to say um, you cannot possibly truly engage in mission and wor- in, in, or in liturgy and worship and not be motivated to the work of the mission of God in the world. Um, right. you, you might enjoy the aesthetic of it. You might enjoy the habit of going to church. You might feel better about yourself um, in a self-righteous kind of way because you check the box of going to church, but you cannot engage uh, the the gospel of Jesus Christ without being then moved to be able to be a part of his mission in the world. That's right. And I don't, I, I want to be careful not to um, uh, like it, it be insulting or any, I don't want to be pejorative at all. Cause I, I, I know it's not just a sort of Catholic narrative that you hear, you hear that everywhere, right? right. Like, what do you mean? I'm at church on Sunday. Uh, of course I'm, I'm missional. Um, I, I heard recently uh, Jeremy Begbie at Duke gave a, um, a lecture on um, art and theology, and he was talking about what he called like lazy artists and how they um, sort of he, he was talking, he was critiquing contemporary music and sort of saying, I hear so much music that feels just sort of lazy, like blah, you know, like uh, it's just not very it doesn't seem like there was a lot of discipline, a lot of um, hard work in some of some of like pop music and I'm like, and probably all of us can say, yeah, we can not my music, but the, you know, <laughs> right, right. But his point was that, um, there is, there's, there's discipline required in, in this, in the work of creating art. And I think in some ways there's also a, a corollary here. There's discipline, obviously as a disciple, right. Uh, there's discipline in, in carrying out the thing that our, uh, Messiah is leading us into. And so there can be, I think, um, an argument to be made here that considering that just sitting in a church service as missional, um, it, it, and that's it sort of not only misunderstands what the liturgy is and that it is real, you know, and that it is, it concerns all things that that is public, um, that it involves us in the lives that we lead after the liturgy. Um, you know, there's the liturgies after the liturgy, uh, and when we stop in the service and say, well, that's it. There's something lazy about that. I think if I can be so bold to say there's something that's like, that's good enough. Whereas what God's inviting us into is something costly, something, um, that requires uh, a great deal of faith and trust. Um, that's risky and it, and it requires, a it's an invitation into awareness that, that the thing that God has done here in bread and wine and in water and among the people and in the preaching of the word, holy cow, someone's calling me. Yeah. Sorry. Tell them this isn't a call-in show. This is not Sean. a call-in show. Holy <laughs> cow. Um, uh, the work that has begun in the liturgy. Of course, it's like right when I'm making that point too. The work that God is, has done in the liturgy, in the sacraments, um, does not end there. It doesn't sort of expire, but right. is now animated, has breathed something into flesh and blood 
that is then carried into the world. And um, I think to, to sort of stop it at the doors, not only misunderstands the liturgy, but it's also just a little bit, I think, is lazy too strong of a word here? I don't think so. No. Um, I, don't think so. I mean, okay. I don't want to be I, mean, but it's no, I, I mean, I think since we want to keep grounding these things in scripture, I think it's, it's biblical language in the sense of where Paul is talking about wake up, oh sleepers, right? I mean, that's lazy right. language, right? <laughs> same same idea. So I'm very excited about the direction that Always Forward is going and uh, our listenership here on the podcast continues to increase every month and uh, and is making a difference throughout the world. Um, we are just really humbled to be able to say um, we are we already have next year four church planter training events planned throughout North America. And we've already trained two, 200 church planters in the last couple of years. Um, we, we have a canon training coming up where we're gathering all of our for church planting to help equip them for their work in their diocese of supporting church planters as well. We have the Always for 2023 conference coming up with Hans Borsma and and others as well that registration is open for at this point. So so we have a lot of things going on um, and uh, and we we need your help with the resources to be able to continue to do this work at the level that we're able to do it right now to take care of our staff to be able to um, to have all that we need to discharge the duties of the ministry that the Lord has given us to do. So we're trying to raise $50,000 by the end of the year. That's where we'd really like to be. And would love for you to consider that if you've benefited from the ministry of always forward through the ACNA, if you've benefited from the podcast, if, uh, if you are a, a fan and supporter of the work of church planting in our, and are willing and able, we'd, we'd love to have you partner with us in a very tangible way. And you just go on always forward.com. And there's a giving tab on there and make sure that you click the always forward uh, tab on there to be able to give to our church planting, our church planting work. Um, it takes about a hundred dollars per episode of the podcast to be able to get it up and going. And so any, any small amount or large amount that you personally or your church or your company or whoever it is, uh, that, uh, that would like to be able to support us in this way. Um, we would, we would ask for your generous support, um, as, as a good portion, uh, the majority of our budget is raised from donors and from churches. And so, um, so we pray that as you, as you, as we approach the end of the year, that you would prayerfully consider supporting us and keeping us in mind as you're looking at your end of year giving as well. So uh, thanks. And we trust in the Lord's provision and we're thankful that we can partner with you to be able to see him work and, uh, and provide for this ministry as always praying for you and pray that you would pray for us uh, as well as we, uh, as we, as we support and encourage and catalyze the work of planting gospel centered sacramental missional churches throughout North America and the world. Uh, okay, so l- let me unpack that a little bit, though. Let me ask you, you said God's calling us into something risky. Now, some some people who were maybe new to liturgy or, or, or experiencing it for the first time would say, the liturgy seems anything but risky to me. What it seems like is it's rote and, um, and predictable uh, and and sort of the way that we're talking about it right now as lively and life-changing, they would say, it seems to me like the liturgy is there to keep the Holy spirit from, from moving in mighty ways. How would, what would be your response <laughs> to that? Like it's a guard. Not uh, to it's keep funny. Us. <laughs> That's yeah. sad. I, and I don't mean to be dismissive, but it's funny to me because, um, you know, I've been in liturgies where it's like, is, does anyone have a pulse in here? You know, I've, I know, I know what we're talking about. Right, I've sure. also been, I've also been in, in really dark, uh, you know, or, or like I'll say dark rooms, but with lights and, you know, I've been in diff- all kinds of different worship services and they're all susceptible to the same sort of thing. It's not just liturgy. Right. Um, I mean, everything in our lives, every habit in, in human life can be that way. Uh, but it not it doesn't need to be and and in uh, especially the liturgy i think is one of the most dangerous things we can be a part of even if those who are maybe carrying it out uh don't seem to be awake you know that's okay um we as as people in the pew or people leading can tend to the reality right even in our sort of anglican distinctives we know that it's not really uh whether or not the priest, the celebrants awake here or not, um, but right. that w- actually we contend to this. It's efficacious regardless of that, right? Mm-hmm. Of the holiness of the celebrant. And even I would say their awareness of what they're doing sometimes. Um, 
that there's a freedom here though, that, uh, we don't have to feel it all the time. We don't have to be all jacked up on Mountain Dew about liturgy every Sunday. I mean, believe me, sometimes I'm not. And what's, what's freeing about that. What's wonderful news about this is like, and even still the saints are offering the praise and worship to the Lord. The, the saints are tending to the work around me. Um, and I, I can be carried sometimes when I'm not feeling it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and on the flip side, it's also something that we need to ready our hearts for and tend to, as if we believe it's true, as if it's reality, because it is. Mm-hmm. And when you, one of the things that's changed my life is reading and thinking like meditating on, and also, um, participating in the liturgy with, uh, some expectation and even a prayer under my breath, like Lord, open my eyes, help me to see the reality of what, how you're present and at work mm-hmm. and, and to sort of hear freshly the words of the liturgy. And I think when we do that, um, we can be surprised very often about the sort of, um, the, of, of the dangerous realities that are underway. The fact that, uh, we can confess sin, things that we've done wrong in our actual life. And then to hear, uh, in the, in the name and the power of Christ, the forgiveness of sins to be absolved. Like how scandalous is that? Mm-hmm. Like, Dan, we can, we can name things that we've done wrong and receive the forgiveness of sins this morning. Um, we can make peace with our neighbors that seem to be on the total other end of some issue, or we've had a fight with, or like we can pursue reconciliation. It's not just sort of a time to greet one another and say, what's up to your homies, but like actually make peace. We can come to the table and eat the flesh and blood of the living God. We can be immersed in the life of the triune God buried with Christ raised to new life. Like this is, we're talking like, what, what other space can you, <laughs> you can't even go to a monster truck rally and get that much action. You know what I'm saying? Like there is, if we yeah. take seriously the Christian claims of what's going on in the liturgy and we might need to be intentional about that. Like, Lord, help me to see this again. Help me like dust it off for me. Help me to like, Holy spirit, help me. Yeah. Um, I, I've found myself praying that. And I find that God does help and he does open our eyes again and again and again and show us these things that are happening. Yeah, and, and I think, uh, again, sort of a mantra in this uh, to help people understand this that I know that we've brought up here on, on the podcast a number of different times, but I think it's just so important when this conversation comes back um, to where we are right now is, is is a recognition, too, that that of our understanding of, of worship, that, that worship is not just expressive, but it's also right. formative. Um, and so that it's not just me sort of vomiting my emotions there's actually something happening the other way where we're being shaped uh, as well and so expressing our emotion is a good thing and uh and being able to say uh you know the the word is like a fire shut up in my bones right and 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 if we didn't praise the lord and the rocks themselves would cry out i mean there's this urgency right in the scripture of of yes we're made to worship and we're made to express the goodness and the glory of god but but to say that it's only expressive means that it's that worship is really about us, right? I mean, it's just me. Right. It's kind of self-centered, me, right? And it's exhausting sometimes. Like sometimes I just don't have it in me um, to come and right. express because if I expressed what was really going on in my heart that moment, I would offend the people around me, you know, like <laughs> my heart's not in a good spot at that, <laughs> good that, point. that time. Um, and so to know that, that God is actually forming us, shaping us, shaping mm-hmm. our thoughts and behaviors, shaping our hearts, um, convicting us sometimes of, uh, of sin as well. Like it's, and so it's, it's not just, be happy towards God, but it's an engagement with God, expressive and formative. And that the liturgy then is extremely missional when it comes to that, uh, because, yeah. because it facilitates that, that both way conversation. Plus, as you said too, as you alluded to, it, it's also a, it facilitates a corporate experience in this, uh, as well in a, in a corporate praise. And, um, yeah. and so there's times when you come just that life is beating the snot out of you and mm-hmm. you don't have to come and fake it. Um, and you don't have to try to drum up the own, your own words. You can just use the words of the saints around you and the saints from all the history and past who have prayed wonderful prayers. And, uh, and we have to say like, I, I can't even form this prayer right now, but I can 
read the words that someone else is has said and I can go, okay, that's where I want to be. Um, and help me, Lord, get to this place. If I'm praying these words, I don't feel that right now, but mm-hmm. get me there, form me, shape me, move me. And so the, the liturgy in itself is, um, um, uh, is, is mightily missional and discipling in that way. Right. Like it's changing you. It's, it's like, we forget that missional includes us, right? Like that we are the project (laughs) in some ways. And we find that we're being changed even by uttering these prayers, these old prayers, right? Again and again, we, I don't know if you've had this experience with the liturgy, Dan, I'm sure you have where you don't realize the change that has, that has happened in you until years later, after having recited these prayers and meant them in deeper and deeper ways, um, they sort of sneak up on you. The formation of the liturgy is, mm-hmm. is it sneaks up on you. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say that uh, there's a lot of literature, good, good books about how the liturgy forms us and how it's um, how beautiful it is and how it changes us. And, and that's all true, but it's, but I would say it's only true because it's real, because it's true. Like, because um, the litur the liturgy is not a Sunday school class, like a liturgical Sunday school class. It's not, um, believe it or not, we're not there just to hear a sermon and to feel li- like encouraged and lifted. Um, mm-hmm. the litur there is something deeper in the liturgy that is happening. Although that's good. Like hear a sermon, be encouraged, wonderful, be formed, not knocking any of that. It's good stuff, but it is, all of that is standing on the fact that, uh, what the liturgy is claiming it's doing, what we believe is happening in the liturgy is actually true. Meaning all those things are good. The word preached is great. The formation and change is great, but um, it's happening because Christ is present and that we are re re um, membering in, in the most, not just a sort of mental sense, but in a very real sense, we are being caught up again in the death and resurrection and the ascension of Christ. We're being, mm-hmm. we're joining a heavenly event that mm-hmm. is breaking into the earth. Um, the kingdom of God is actually being established in us. And so when we can tend to the, the sort of foundational level of like a reality check here about what we believe is underway in the liturgy. And when we start there, I think you start with a totally different footing than um, treating this as like another sort of textbook of religious words, like a prayer book that turns into sort of just text that we're like, well, I hope this works. No, no, there's, there's something deeper still here for us to pay attention to that. And this is where I think the rubber meets the road with mission and liturgy. Um, if, if we can, if we can step back and look at this lower layer of what we believe is actually happening in the liturgy, the reality underway here, um, we find that God is not only present and at work in us, but God is present and at work through us. And then all of a sudden this liturgical event, this experience that we're having, um, is, is leading us into the world still dripping with baptismal water, still with like, with breadcrumbs in our teeth and wine on our breath, right? We are walking, breathing sacraments who have been led into the world in that processional with Christ to cause, uh, some good trouble for the kingdom. Like there, God is doing something and this, this band of beggars has been caught up in it. So we find ourselves now, um, in the places where we spend our days discerning Lord as a, as a breathing sacrament of your kingdom, of your presence, of your forgiveness of sins. How, what does that mean for the people around me? What does that mean for me here in these mundane places of our lives? And that's, I think, well, there's a lot more to say, but that's one of the real practical ways I think that we can imagine liturgy leading us into the world in mission. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess one thing we should say, because we kind of started a structure of saying, okay, what is missional? And then what is liturgy? And then we sort of jumped into liturgy without actually <laughs> Sorry, stopping and going place. like, what is liturgy? Let me just say briefly, just in case you're listening and like going, uh, okay, I'm starting to really like this liturgy thing, but, but what is it? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, a very, very introductory uh, definition of liturgy would be um would be all that encompasses the the corporate worship of God together. Um, so it's 
is the words that we say, uh, if, if we just take Sunday mornings, there's more to liturgy than just Sunday mornings, but just as an example, it's the words that we say, it's also the order of the service uh, and the parts of the service and the ethos of the service in many ways as well. And so when we use liturgy, we kind of use it interchangeably f- for the actual words that we say, or sometimes the, the the order of the service as well. And one of the things that I think is really important to, to, to recognize about the liturgy is that, uh, is, is how we get the prayer book that we have as, as well. This is really important um, mm-hmm. um, because, uh, because it is, it is one curated and compiled from, uh, from thousands of years of, of church history. Uh, and, and it's an expression of how the church has interacted with the scripture. See, this is so important because this isn't a book that's separate from the scripture. It's not scripture itself, but it is, but it uses scripture. It's all based on, it's either direct quotes from the scripture or teachings based on the scripture or paraphrases of the scripture. And what you have in the book is a, um, is sort of scripture set in, in, in such a way that the, that Christians can uh, can worship together using the words mm-hmm. that God has given us in His uh, in His Scripture, um, and, and but so like even, Scripture prayed, yeah, it's in a lot of ways, yeah, right? It's like a hymnal, mm-hmm. so that if you have a hymnal or a songbook, so you can all be on the same thing, same page, literally, and sing the same words and songs together. Liturgy helps use the words of the Scripture to be able to help us capture our thoughts and, and formative worship. But I think the other important thing is that in this too, is that how, how did that happen? How does it get in that book? Well, there, again, there's, there's hundreds and thousands of years of, of church history in that, but then even say like for we're in the Anglican church in North America, we have a 2019 edition of the prayer book. Well, that thing took 10 years to put together, right? This isn't just somebody sitting in an office writing things. Oh, I like that prayer. Let's put that in there. This has gone through multiple iterations of, uh, based on the, the historic texts as well. Um, uh, and has gone through lots of prayer and lots of committees, right? And then the bishops have gotten it, looked it over, given more thoughts about how it needs to be revised. It's gone back to scholars and priests and laity uh, and prayerful people to to go through it again. And so, so this is what we have is very intentional, very communal, uh, very pastoral, and that it's been looked through and picked through to make sure all the doctrine is correct and it's and that it's in line with the. Doctrine doctrine, discipline, worship as this church has received it. Um, and so in this book, we're praying with the people who are reading that book with us, but then also all the saints who have, who have prayed these prayers and used this scripture mm. all before us. And a lot of the words are, are from the scripture that tell us what they're praying in heaven uh, <laughs> around the throne of Jesus as well. And we're, we're praying with them also. And so this is what's happening here is much bigger than any individual local place or, or even one province like the ACNA, um, it's, it's much bigger than that. And so that's, so the liturgy is, um, is, is historic and communal. And one of the reasons why we hold it so important, I think that's, that's really that's such a good point. Yeah. So important for people to grasp. Yeah. And it, it should, it should also for, for people be pointed out that like, if you're thinking, well, I don't come from like an Anglican church, do we have a liturgy? Yeah, you do. I would say you do. However, you're ordering your time, the words you're saying, even the most extemporaneous sorts of prayers um, are, are usually like caught. Like I remember, and I yeah. still pray freely, of course, but uh, people, I listened to people growing up and learned to pray from the way that I heard them pray. Um, the disciples did this with the Lord. So yeah. all, no matter what tradition you're coming from, there is a, an inheritance, a wealth of inheritance of, of language of prayer and the way you um, approach and relate to God and worship him. There's, there is something, uh, and and if, even if that's not Anglican, which is okay, there's something of value to be celebrated there as um, an inheritance that's been given, that's been taught. And we want to take that inheritance and say, uh, uh, I, and really the wonderful, one of the things I love about being in the Anglican stream is um, it is also a very diverse inheritance. Um, mm-hmm. There are liturgies, mm-hmm. right? This is mm-hmm. a, a living, breathing um, sort of worship life of real human beings in real history. And so it's just looked like all kinds of different ways. Um, and yet we still find in, in all of those, all the diversity, we still find a common order. We find like really critical, important things. And, um, and those are the things I think, and I, I'm glad you pointed this out, Dan, cause I can kind of assume that when I say liturgy, people hear like 
Holy Eucharist and Holy Baptism, sort of the dominical sacraments and, and the liturgies, the dominical meaning um, the, the, the sacraments that the Lord himself has explicitly commanded in, in scripture. And so when I, when I'm talking about liturgy, I'm thinking of uh, particularly these, these sacramental liturgies of Holy Eucharist and baptism. And, um, but there's more to it. There's the daily office, there's confession, there's holy matrimony, right. there's, you know, burial rites, yeah. there's all kinds of ordination. There's amazing liturgies in this, yeah. in the, in the church, the history of the church and in all of those things, take a deep breath. That's a lot of church history and liturgical stuff, <laughs> right? In all of this, I think, you, I think, you know, normal folks can zoom out and go, Hey, you know, I can see, I can see God present and at work in these things. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think we can get to a place of appreciation to say, man, that's, that's really interesting. I wonder if my involvement in these liturgies, um, can be really, really sober, really aware and have a heart, no matter what liturgy it is, have a heart and awareness to say, Lord, I know you're tending to us. I know you're present. Would you work in me? Uh, can I, can I join you in the work you're doing in the lives of others around me? Um, that kind of curiosity, that trust in Jesus it just sounds, it feels to me like what a disciple does. Yeah. And that's where we get into, um, that's, that's where we find ourselves like participating with God in unexpected ways. And, and the line between what is liturgy and what is mission begins to blur a little bit because, mm-hmm. um, in liturgy, we come to worship the true God and we find ourselves, um, coming in contact with the presence of Jesus being filled by the spirit uh, receiving the sacraments and in so doing, being caught up in the presence and the work of God. Um, and, and, and where, where in that did we cross over into mission? I'm not sure. Um, because what, like, here, here's my sort of case in point, like the liturgy is a, the liturgy of the Holy Eucharist. Let me be precise here is about, um, the, the people of God attending, attending to, um, the life, death, the, the teachings, the life ministry, death suffering, death, resurrection, ascension of the person of Jesus Christ. It is what it's, this is what it's about. Yeah. And if Jesus Christ is the mission of God, if he is the means and the person heralding, bringing forth, making present the kingdom of God and all that God desires to do in the world, if he is the mission of God, God himself is the mission of God. If that's true, then the liturgy is a participation in the mission of God because it is a participation in uh, the person through which God's mission is being carried out. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I hope that makes yeah. sense. That seems yeah. really dense, like a no, labyrinth I, I, of words. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think maybe to put it more simply then, or to sum it up in some ways is, is to say that if you attend an Anglican worship service that, that utilizes the liturgy, you should, you should experience the gospel, um, in thought, word, and deed, right? I mean, in, in all of the things that we do, in all of the things that we wear, in all of the things that we say, in all of the things that we eat is all about Jesus, right? It's, I mean, everything from if there's a processional in, the cross comes in first um, because it's about Jesus, right? At the, at, the, at the sermon, you should hear a sermon about Jesus. It should be about the proclamation of his life, death, resurrection, ascension, uh, and his glorious coming again, and our need for repentance. You should hear the gospel in uh, our response to the word proclaimed in uh, in confession and hearing absolution and yeah. the comfortable words, and then and then you should see it. And as the reformers talked about that the, that there was the the word proclaimed and the word visible in the sacraments. I mean, in at the Eucharist, you you physically take part in the gospel. And if people, even if people start to go, oh, okay, well, that's where I start to get a little lost. All right, well, go back to the word and go to First Corinthians mm-hmm. chapter eleven, where 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 Paul says. Uh, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So the participation in the Eucharist is proclamation of the death of Christ. Um, and so this is where word and sacrament come together mm-hmm. in the liturgy uh, to be about a proclamation of the gospel in a missional way 
in in every aspect of our of our service and then even at the end we follow the cross out the door um and uh and and we pray send us out to do the work that you have given us to do we pray that phrase in our in our post communion prayer um and so we're in in our services we're rehearsing what it means to be a missionary um and uh and being sent out with the blessing of the church to go and do that so that's right is is liturgy missional and all of that like yeah. Totally. Well, you know, <laughs> there's one other thing that occurs to me when you say this, Dan, that that our worshiping life as a church is is constantly in dialogue. That might be the, not intimate enough, but, you know, who shows up to participate in the liturgy? Um, human beings, I presume, right, who have lives, who have real stories, uh, who experience what's going on in the world and who have problems, presumably, like I do. Um, and so you have this, this liturgical thing happening, right? But it's in dialogue and it's involving real people, real history, real problems. And so I think one critical, um, thing here to, to help us that, that we're connecting these dots between liturgy and mission here. I think one critical thing here to do is, um, especially as a, as a priest, um, I'm always, um, trying to pay attention to and ask the question, um, like, God, what's going on with your people? What's going on in this room with these people that I, I'm looking at announcing the gospel? I could, I could um, announce the works of Christ, like you said, the Paschal mystery, the, the death and resurrection, ascension, and coming again of Christ. It can announce the kingdom, and it can still sort of just be like a few inches over everyone's head. And there's, there's work here for us to do as clergy um, and as lay people, too to make the connections, to put in dialogue right. this announcement right. with the reality of our real life. So, um, and you know what, you'll get this wrong sometimes and you will uh, putting these things in dialogue is messy, but you have a community to discern this with, to be corrected. Um, but to also be not be risk averse, but sort of be courageous and say, I think that the kingdom breaking in looks like this in my life. I think it looks like this in my community. Um, there's, there's some issues here in our community. There's, uh, problems. There's, uh, um, I mean, we could, I could go on all day about like between, um, you know, people sitting in the pews, if you're anything like me, you have things that preoccupy your mind, right. Or things you're worrying about. So you may be sitting there going like, but I'm having, I'm like worried about money. Mm -hmm. My, I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills or my neighbor is like insane and I got to go home and deal with this. Or I'm having trouble with my kids. I'm having trouble in my marriage. I'm. I mean, have you, have you seen what's going on in the world? It seems like everything's burning down. And I think there's a temptation to sort of put that away so that you can like be spiritual. And I would say, resist that actually bring, be honest. You can, you can bring that in. You're bringing it in actually, um, put that in dialogue with the announcement of the kingdom and then ask God, what are you doing here? What is, can you, Lord, can you open my eyes? Can you help me see how you are present and at work in these real things in my life? Could you heal me in certain ways? Could you um, give peace to me? Could you help me grow and offer me help from brothers and sisters around me to help me get through this? There's a, there's a necessary dialogue, I think, that we need to be honest with about our own lives. And when you do that, I think you become all the more aware that this dialogue is happening in other people too. It could happen in other people too, even people who aren't there. So then you find yourself going, I heard this at church today or, or, Hey, Jesus has something to say about this. Um, or, Hey, I think God cares about this too. And I think he's got, I think he's at work that we become yeah. sort of, uh, parrots of the good news. We start announcing the kingdom in ways and not in just sort of like, um, like, you know, like religious rhetoric sort of ways, like telling people what's good for them, even if they don't agree with us, but actually as a friend, as a companion who are invested in, immersed in other people's lives in the world, even if they're not Christians, um, ha uh, having them on our hearts and relaying to them, listening really carefully and sharing with them as someone who could be wrong, but thinks that God is present and at work. Like, I wonder if there's something, some good news here. I wonder if there's like, I wonder if God's at work here. I bet he is. Mm -hmm. It just, that curiosity leads us yeah. into sort of the dangerous territory of mission and yeah. And I, and I think, uh, it's, it's worth risking. I think it's worth the risk. Yeah. 
you know, I, I mean, the other thought that occurred to me as you, as you were saying that too, is that the liturgy helps to kind of pull, of course, if, if our corporate celebration on the, the Lord's day on resurrection day, that is Sunday, that's our quintessential primary worship experience as a community. If we engage in the liturgy throughout the rest of the week with the daily office as well, it pulls that thread uh, so that we don't just get like a, a booster shot every Sunday, but, but that it, but that it, uh, uh, is that too point. close to the pandemic, um, to use, Maybe, to use the booster shot. I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> um, but, uh, but you know, like, like one of the things that I love to tell people as they're learning how to pray the daily office, how to pray morning prayer, noonday prayer, evening prayer, compliment. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to be able to do it. Um, is that, uh, is that it's awkward at first when you're reading through because everything is we, and you feel like, well, I'm at, I'm at home. There's just me. Uh, and I'm saying we, and I go, no, but no, pray it with, we don't change it to I, because there are people in your own church and all around the world who are praying these same prayers with you right now, even if they're not in the same room with, with you and you are praying together using, using these words. And so all of our, all of a sudden our, our corporate Sunday morning experience bleeds into our individual experiences in our, in our own homes, or maybe you're at work praying noonday prayer on your, uh, uh, at your, on your lunch hour. And it just even keeps us mindful of the fact that we are Christians, uh, and that we are, uh, proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. And, uh, mm -hmm. and that, that we are, that we are, um, living as missionaries, wherever it is that we are, even in just the shared experience of the, uh, of the liturgy as we pray it throughout the week, uh, totally. as, as well. Totally. You know, one of the most um, helpful things recently to me, Dan, has been uh, having icons in my study mm -hmm. or in my house. And uh, for this very reason, because it, um, when I find myself in prayer or honestly, when I'm sitting at my desk or working and I've, I'm stumped or, I, you know, or maybe I'm like walking around the house or I got something on my mind or my heart, I can sort of look into this person's life in the icon, a saint's life. And um, see an example, like a really wonderful example of what it looks like to, to be so shaped as a disciple of Jesus, as an apprentice, a student of Jesus, so shaped by prayer, so shaped by scripture. And, and yet, and still, um, because of that, so certain, confident that God is, is reconciling all things to himself, even in this, especially in the stories of the saints, they're oftentimes like pretty dramatic situations that they're in, that they're facing, even in the storm that they're facing, you find these saints witnessing to the kingdom of God and that God is present in work. And it's inspiring to me and it's actually prayerful to me. And so with praying the daily office and honestly with like, with icons, um, even the meditation of like their life and then reflecting, like I have a icon of Oscar Romero up here, uh, whom I love. And um, he's probably one of the, biggest influences in my life in the last uh, handful of years and meditating with his story or his sermons has been um, a really imagine. It's like formed my imagination to see the world a little bit different and to be curious about the ways that the people of God witness to the goodness of God in a world that is full of suffering and um, injustice and um, all kinds of problems. So I look at him and go, I wonder what Oscar would do. Um, so like prayer icons, I think beauty can do this. Um, mm -hmm. We, I, I'm sure people listening, like listen to music and music has this weird way of getting into your, your head and your heart and your imagination and inspiring your, or, or sort of giving you a creative um, outcome that maybe you didn't see coming or, it, you know, it sort of moves us. It does things to mm -hmm. us. And so there's, I think a, a kind of curiosity that the liturgy can, um, can tune us, like um, train us to be able to see in other places um, and in the world. So for some, it might be going out into nature and looking at a tree. And I love that and thinking, God, you're, this is amazing. How wonderful are you? I know you're present in at work. Look at this. And then it leads us down these other sort of considerations more personally in, in, in the communities and the situations we're in to wonder, I wonder how God is at work here. And so that, that's sort of like, um, it, and that's really like all very prayerful, isn't it? It's kind of, praying without ceasing in some ways it's um, right. an awareness and a constant dialogue with a God who's present with us. Yeah. And, and that's why these things are so important to be 
it, no one part of this can be taken out by itself. If you, if you divorce right. the, uh, the, the ritualistic life of the church from the word, you have dead ritual. Um, right. if you, if you, if you just stare at a tree, you can, you know, like you can, you can come up with your own, uh, your own, uh, theories about who God is, right? That, that's not enough. Um, but when you combine walking in the park and looking at the trees with an understanding of the word of God, that, that the trees clap their hands, uh, right. to the glory of God, right? That, uh, that we, that we, uh, that, that we it can understand. all be enchanted, right? It's it, all enchanted right. when you see it as like, as the presence can, and work of God, right? We don't have time to get into Charles Taylor today. All right. Sean. All right. All right. Take it easy. Let's <laughs> but keep yes, this right. Let's keep it secular here. <laughs> but, but, that, but that's the idea, right, of just being yeah. able to say, yeah, people who – for whom this conversation that we've had here today might – there might be parts that are that – are, um, uh, strange or even mm-hmm. disconcerting aspects where, where I think things dis- get disconcerting is that if you do take one part of it out, like if you do just, if you say, Oh, come on guys. Like you're spending time with trees. Um, yes, but only as one part of a greater deal, like gonna... <laughs> creation, right. Um, that, uh, right. or, or just art without an understanding of God as the creator of beauty, um, or, or just, or like on the, on the flip side, right? Doing the right liturgy the right way right, and not right. anything else. Like you're yeah, right. That's, and that, that's you why the it's, whole picture. God is bigger than any of these one things. And any of these one things together, it doesn't do him justice in any ways. All we need word sacrament. We need sacramental imagination. We need, we need systematic theology. Um, we need, mm-hmm. I mean, we need all of these aspects of our, of our faith. Um, and that's why we get a whole lifetime to be able to share these things together as the church and then an eternity knowing God and being with him as well. And so all the things that we're doing now is just a foretaste of what it's going to be like with him um, forever. So, so yeah. long and short of it, then well we started, we started the, this conversation by asking this question is the missional liturgy is no, wait, I'm sorry. That's not what we said. Is the liturgy missional is the liturgy missional. And the answer is Sean unequivocally. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It is, it is. And, but there's, but that needs to be qualified, nuanced, nuanced because mm-hmm. that could be misunderstood, but there's absolutely the, the, the liturgy is a participation in the mission of God. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we can attend to that. And I'd also say that, um, the mission of God is liturgical too. It has, it resonates. It has a resemblance of the things that we do as the people of God and, and as we worship and follow Jesus. So there's this like, sort of, there's sort of two sides to the same coin. They are mm-hmm. deeply connected, distinct things, uh, but mm-hmm. but inextricably involved in one another. Because why is this simple? We could have just landed, in my opinion, because um, the mission of God is the work that Jesus Christ is doing, and in the liturgy we find Jesus Christ at work. We find him, we find that we can participate in His life, mm-hmm. in in mission. We we find that's the invitation is actually to follow Him into the world, and um, so I think. Jesus, if, if we can sort of be um, Sunday school answering here, yeah, it, the, the, the mission of God is liturgical and the liturgy is missional. Why? Because it is a participation in the life of Christ in this real world by the power of the spirit. And I hope that's not too, I hope that's not too sort of like theological sounding. Like those are big I words, I guess. So. Like, I mean, if it's about Jesus, if, we, if, our, if our mission we want to take the shape of Jesus and Jesus is the word made flesh. Then there is the, then there's the word part of it. There's the flesh part of it. And and all of that comes together and word and sacrament and, uh, and, and the, and the, the participation of the body of Christ with the corporately spoken word of Christ. And then moving in action to, to Mark chapter two say, so that you know that these words are true. We're also going to be a part of things in the world that help to be a part of the mission of God of straightening out the world that is broken as well. And so, so yes, they're all, they're all together. I like the way you said it. Um, Is, is the liturgy missional? Yes. And also um, mission is liturgical in many ways as well. So um, 
That's the wisdom That's right. from Sean McCain today. No, I don't know about that. <laughs> Plenty of books on this. <laughs> uh, well, Sean, man, it, it's always good to be with you, and uh, and I love spending time with you, and uh, uh, and same. thankful to have this conversation today because this is one that is that is uh, on our hearts. And if 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 anyone wants to have a really fun day, um, listen to this conversation, then listen to our first conversation about missional oh, yeah, that'd be um, from a number of years ago, and you can combine the two, and you can tell us how um, we uh, we have. Um, either gone downhill um in and, and decreased in our uh, uh in our wisdom or maybe where we've grown some places as well too uh, hopefully this second uh, i believe so all right sean well um this won't be the last time we'll have you back on uh i we, hope not you are, it's been you fun are, uh you are a dear brother and a great voice in this uh in this work that we're doing and so church planters we uh, we love you, and uh, as we always say, with within always forward, as you're doing this work, um, you are not alone. You're not alone. Hopefully, you can even hear that in this conversation. That uh, not only does Jesus love you, and always forward is here with you as well, but just in your liturgical participation in in the mission, y- you are a part of a great family of God, the one holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. And uh, and so y- you may feel at times isolated, um, and we want to minimize that as much as we can. But even if you feel isolated. You're never alone. Jesus is with you always till the very end of the age. We love you, and we hope that uh, we can see you somewhere in person at one of our conferences or events sometime soon as well. Bless you. Well, friends, that does it for this season of the Always Forward podcast. Um, but don't worry. We're just taking a little bit of a break here over the course of uh, of the end of the year and into Advent and Christmas. Uh, but we'll be back again in January of next year with with another another season. Um, keep coming at you every every couple of weeks here with it with a new episode. And I'm excited about uh, about the folks that we already have lined up for you uh, for for you for next season as well. And uh, and, uh, as we as we continue this conversation. So uh, just want to wish you a a wonderful Advent full of expectation and preparation. Uh, I pray that during the season of Christmas that the that the presence of God, Emmanuel, God is with us, will be palpable for you as well. And and then as we enter into Epiphany, uh, the joyous revelation of who Jesus is, uh, then that's when we'll be back together as well. But uh, thanks for another great season. Thanks for the growth that we continue to see in this podcast and the uh, message that we're trying to get out of planting gospel-centered, sacramental, missional churches. So thankful for all of you and do ask the Lord's blessing upon you until we're back together here in just a few weeks. Thanks for listening to the Always Forward Podcast. Visit us at www.always-forward.com for more resources, to submit your questions, or to interact with us. See you next time.